Hi, everybody. This is Gary Sandy, and thank you very much for listening to the WKRP cast. You're not a cop, are you? WKRP in Cincinnati. Hey, fellow babies, welcome back to another edition of the WKRP cast. We have one more regular episode left, but this isn't it. Before we get into this week's show, we wanted to take a moment to recognize the passing of a good friend of the podcast and one of Canada's biggest WKRP fans. We were contacted last week by the son of Sue Batson-Patterson. Sue is one of our Canadian connections. She's been listening to the podcast almost since week one. She would regularly drop us notes of encouragement or thanks for the show. She also sent us scans of some of her favorite WKRP memorabilia, including taping tickets. Sue's son, Ben, contacted us the day after Labor Day to tell us his mother had passed suddenly on Sunday, September 4th. This was very unexpected. Sue was only 52 years old. She leaves behind a husband, J.R., sisters Wendy and Jackie, mother Ina and her son, Ben. In addition to her love of WKRP, Sue was also an artist who enjoyed painting. Ben said Sue would regularly come to dinner as she was just finishing an episode of WKRP on her laptop. He said she loved them all, but her favorite episode had to be Turkeys Away. Thank you, Ben, for contacting us about this tragic loss. Our deepest sympathies and condolences to the family of Sue Batson-Patterson. And we want to give Sue our Canadian salute because Sue was a bit of a nut, and I think she would have loved it. This week's episode of the podcast is something new, but a little different. As we are winding down the series, it seems like our end of series scheduling was skillfully planned to coincide with the 40th anniversary of the final episode. Know this, my children, it wasn't. We didn't know about the air date changes to the final episodes until last spring. Hitting the 40th anniversary was a happy accident. Once we realized the series actually ended in September, we thought, hey, we could almost make our last episode coincide with the 40th anniversary of the real last episode. That'd be cool, right? We only had this one week we needed to fill in order to make that happen. Instead of putting on another rerun, we thought this was a great opportunity to talk to some of the folks who've contributed to the podcast over the past couple of years. We've had a lot of listeners willing to help out. There was Chezzy Benedetto, Chezzy D, our man in Cincy, who gave us great exterior and Cincinnati geography info in the first season. It was Chessie's info that allowed us to find several sites during our visit. L.A. Jamie Schmidt has been a great resource. He's done some fantastic newspapers.com research, plus his L.A. contacts have allowed us to get in touch with several interviewees. Thanks to all of those folks who have helped we appreciate your time and expertise. There were two guys who we seemed to name check almost every week on the show. We're talking about Canadian WKRP blogger Roy Penny and the guy with the spreadsheets, Michael Hernandez, who we've dubbed the accountant of rock. Even if we didn't specifically mention them, we were consulting their resource material and even bugged them both on a regular basis. We decided we really should talk to these guys before we shut it down, and this seemed like the perfect week. Quick recap. 
Roy Penny wrote a blog about WKRP. He called it WKRP Relived. In it, he did an episode-by-episode rewatch and gave his impression of the series in written form. His insight and information have proven invaluable. He's also been a great sounding board since we do talk every few weeks about both the show and the podcast. Michael Hernandez is both a WKRP fan and a numbers guy. His day job is IT on the West Coast, but in the evenings, Michael likes his records and working with numbers. His first major WKRP project was a spreadsheet containing every song ever played on WKRP. Oh, and if that that's not enough. He also tracked whether it was restored on the 2015 Shout Factory series discs or not. We found Michael's music spreadsheet the summer before we launched the podcast. We use it every single week to track the songs being played on the show. When Michael was locked down for the pandemic, he decided it was the perfect chance to pursue another pet project recreate the programming grids for each night of first-run WKRP episode aired. Using Newspapers.com as a resource, Michael found daily programming listings in local newspapers to figure out what episode really debuted and when. It was Michael's work that revealed the change in air dates for the last few episodes of the series. This week, we're talking to both of these guys. We interviewed Roy and Michael about their ties to the series and their love of WKRP. We had some lively and insightful discussions with both of these podcast contributors. Enjoy this time with RP and AOR. Then next week, it's our take on the final aired episode of the series, The Impossible Dream. You'll get to hear the podcast episode on the actual 40th anniversary of the show episode's first network airing. The week after that, we just might have a huge surprise to cap off the series. We don't want to say anything because there are a few elements that still need to come together. But if it all works out, this is going to be huge. Stay tuned, my children. It's not over yet. Now let's get to the interviews. We start off with proud Canadian and WKRP blogger, Mr. Roy Penny. So, Roy Penny, the fellow babies have been hearing your name for many years now, or for actually a couple of years now, since we first started talking to you. I want to go way back to uh, Roy Penny in the probably the 1990s. When did you first become aware of and a fan of WKRP? Yeah, we're probably talking the mid-80s. And I watched it like I would think most people came to it was through syndication. Uh, there was a station, as as you've called me all the time, I'm your Canadian contact. And there was a <laughs> station in southwestern Ontario, um, out of Kitchener, that constantly ran WKRP after school. Uh, sometimes at 4, sometimes at 4.30, but whatever, after school, um, this show was on and whoever was at that station loved it. And other shows would come in and out, Matt, Hogan's Heroes, whatever else. But KRP was always on that, um, on that rotation. And so many fans who I've interacted with in the time, uh, since I started the blog came to it through that station and watched it at that time. Okay, what drew you in? So you were what age then? High school, junior high? Yeah, we're four, 13, 14, 15. What, what was it about this workplace comedy 
about a job that not a lot of people knew much about at the time that drew you in? At first, it was just the show that was on. And it was it's a funny show. But what I found was that this is a show that I really remembered. I remembered chunks and scenes and lines of dialogue that I could pull out at a moment's notice. And what do you want, the world? Just eat the dip. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of like when, when you find a quotable movie, you yeah. found a quotable series. It found a place in my head that really very few other shows, if any shows, ever have. Where in writing the blog and watching the show on uh, Show Factory box set, I could remember where cuts were. I could remember that wasn't in the scene. That was something that was cut. That's an extra piece. And I remembered how it was all put together. And I don't know why this show latched in there. Now we're talking, you've, you've jumped ahead 30 years to Shout Factory or, or even further. Let's, let's talk about Roy Penny Grows Up. The, is the show still on? Like when you go off, when you go to college or you've, you've now you know, become an adult in your own home, are you still exposed to it or is it off the air now? Or what? It, It's off the air. Now, now we're living in a world of Simpsons and Seinfeld reruns and WKRP is nowhere to be seen. Yet it's still in your head. It's still in my head. I still remember it. And I think a lot of that has to do with the characters, that they're so clearly written and so clearly defined that they just stuck. And you want to be friends with them. You want to hang out with those guys. You know who they are. You know how they're going to react in a situation, which is something that happens all the time. They get thrown into a situation. You watch how eight people react to it and you know how they're going to react. You know what someone's going to say when presented with a pink frog. So they're, they're sharply drawn and they're true to their character. Yes. They, they stay consistent no matter what is going on around them. Yeah. All, right, all right. So in 2007, Fox comes out with season one, yes. which is edited and it's cut up. It's the syndication episodes with none of the original music in there. Did you get one of those? I absolutely did. Since you've been watching in syndication, did it strike you as there's something wrong or did it just feel like, oh, yeah, this is my show? This is my show. So it was everything that you remembered going back to the 80s and 90s that you were watching after school. Exactly. And because I hadn't seen it in 15 years or so, it matched up with everything that was in my head. But you had never seen the network version so you never had this realization that something was missing when it came to the music or certain scenes weren't there. None of, I, that, none of that struck you. No, I only occasionally watched the, um, the original run. I would have been between 9 and 13, so I barely knew any of the music. I was probably more familiar with the old-style rock and roll that Johnny was playing than I would have been with any of the newer hits. You'll remember the days when there was one television in the house. Oh, and yeah. Your, and your father would decide who, what you were watching. And, and the, when the news came on, everything else stopped. That was my stopped. house. 
You had to watch the news at six o'clock. And uh, then when it was time for WKRP, the whole family would sit down and we would watch real people because my parents had no interest in watching WKRP. Yeah, unfortunately. That's why I was watching it at four o'clock in the afternoon when I had the TV. Okay, so in 2015, Shout Factory comes out with the box set. They've tried to restore everything that they can music-wise. They've restored everything that they can or they think they have scene-wise. What then is the Roy Penny reaction when you found out this box was available? I'm going to jump back to the first season box that Fox put out. I took that box set from Fox to a fan convention and had it signed by Lonnie Anderson and Howard Hessman. And I asked Howard Hessman, do you think they're going to put out the rest of the seasons? And he told me straight up, never. You're <laughs> never going to see the rest of this show. Gone. <laughs> it's, it's a real shame because it's great, but no one will ever see it. They can't get the music rights. It'll never get released. This is as much as you'll ever get. Wow. So let's and, jump forward to the Shout Factory box. And, and really, that was not an unusual opinion. A lot of people had that opinion. Which, of course, at the time, I knew nobody else was talking about the show. So when the Shout Factory box set finally was released, I was thrilled. And I asked for it for my birthday. And I received it. My wife and I buy a lot of box sets, DVDs, and we would open it and watch some of the extras and a commentary and a few episodes of things and never really finish it. But I wanted to do something that would make me finish the Shout Factory box set. So I said, I'm going to write a blog. I'm going to document myself watching this show and all 80 episodes of it, whether anybody else cares or not. And that was the the impetus for the blog, was really, really just a, a way to get you into a discipline of watching the shows. Exactly. What were you searching for? I mean, your, your blog entries, and by the way, if, any, if you've never run across Roy's blog and you're a WKRP fan, you've got to check it out. He has written... Basically, a a theme of it. You're, you're probably thousand twelve hundred words at least each episode, aren't you? I would think, yeah. So, and, but it's a great you you look at insightful um, motivations in a lot of what you do. What drives the characters, and what you know makes the characters real in these situations. So, there's a lot of psychology in what you do. I, I, we found you. The summer before we started the podcast and you became one of our research materials because you had a lot of great information in your blog. A lot of times you'd put them just at the end. There'd be a footer that would have this great information about guest stars or about something that happened or something that was referenced on the show. So, so, you know, that stuff was there, but really what you were going for was more of an insight into the characters. What was driving that? What, what about your background or your history made you look at it that way? I thought I was writing this blog into the void. So I didn't know if anybody would read it. I mean, who's, who's really going to follow something about a 40 or 45 year old TV show. That's crazy, Alan. (laughs) Nobody would do that. So 
have you ever gone to a movie with friends and then you get a coffee afterwards and sit down and just rehash that movie and go, why did this character do that? Why was this the choice? Why do you think the director did that? And you have no real knowledge, but you have knowledge of other movies, other TV shows that you've seen, anything you've ever read about TV shows and movies and characters and all the English classes you ever took. And you sit down with friends and try to hash out what do you think was really going on here? Sometimes it's behind the scenes. Sometimes it's in universe and you're just trying to figure that out. So I was having that conversation with the blog. I was just trying the feeling of sitting with friends and saying, what do you think really happened here? Um, what was going on at the time in the seventies or eighties? What, why would a director or producer or writers have done something this way? Um, sometimes you're looking at an effect and you're thinking, well, that's probably, maybe that was a budgetary choice, or maybe they're setting up for something in the future. And I don't really know why. It's really just my speculation. What the blog is, is my speculation and trying to understand really what's happening on the show, behind the show. When did the first one drop? The first relived blog post? Uh, October or November of 2015. And what was the goal initially? Because early on, you've got pages with three and four episodes on a page, and then that starts to slow down. So what what was the what was the goal early on? How many were you, were you trying to do? Was it like a weekly thing, or I was trying to do it biweekly. I was wanting to do at least one every two weeks. Life got in the way, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was between jobs for a, a chunk. And when looking for a job, it didn't feel very right to spend four hours writing a blog post when I should be looking for a job to feed my wife and children. Yeah. Yeah. That priority thing always gets in the way of the fun stuff. Right. So there, there was some of that happening, uh, at the time. Um, there was an economic turndown in around 2018 and that extended all the way up to Canada for some people too. And one other thing was as I was getting near the end and you may be able to relate to this, Alan, I didn't want it to end. Uh -huh. I was trying to stretch it out because by that time people were commenting. I was getting responses from this thing I was putting out into the, the ether, discovering that there was an entire community of WKRP and Cincinnati fans. That was a lot of fun and it's, it has remained a lot of fun. All right. So then in the fall of 2020, mm -hmm. you become aware of this couple in the Midwest going to make a podcast about WKRP. You contacted us, and I remember the tone of your first email was pretty much, are you guys nuts? What are you doing? Well, I've kind of gotten past, are you nuts? So I'm, <laughs> there is a WKRP community. It's on Facebook. It's There's podcasts, things like that. If you're nothing, Alan, you're a good self-promoter. So you had had... Um, Features up saying, we're going to start this podcast. This podcast is coming in a few weeks. This podcast is coming in a month. This podcast is coming tomorrow. 
listen to the podcast. And I will tell you, I was worried that you might be a couple of yahoos. Just a couple of hacks. Just a couple <laughs> of hacks. Uh, just going, hey, wasn't it funny when they threw the turkeys out? Ha ha! And so I waited about four episodes in before I contacted you. You didn't want us to break bad. I, so, I wanted to, to just kind of get a feel of, okay, what are these folks doing? You know, it turned out you and Donna were actually pretty good at this. Well, thank you. You're very welcome. I had no idea if you knew about the blog or not. So I wanted to write to you and say, hey, I have this blog. I don't know if it's of any use to you, but if you're interested and uh, here it is, take whatever you can glean from it, use it as much as you can. And little, little did you know, I already had it bookmarked, and we were referencing it as we were doing the workup, getting ready, getting everything going. Uh, there was back in less than half an hour. Yeah, I'm going. Whoa, it's Roy Petty because you were like, yeah, it, you were it, like it, this guy that was like, we reference Roy. Let's go see what Roy has to say about it. I'm always surprised, and and I've had that reaction from a few people in in the WKRP community of the it's Roy Penny and. I don't get that in my regular life. So that's always a little bit of a thrill that somebody is interested in what I had to say. And then I, I, we exchanged a couple of emails and you sent me your phone number and I called you and I was like, excuse me, Mr. Stair. Uh, my name is Roy Penny and the writer of this blog. And I, I don't think you could have been happier if uh, Tim Reed had called you. It was you, awesome. Incredibly uh, gracious, and it was a lot of fun to talk to you, and it has been a lot of fun to talk to you. Okay, so that that now has become a un, unlike most people who I interview when we're we're talking about the show. Normally, the interview is the first time I've ever talked to the person. With you, we check in was about monthly, every six weeks. We we have a we have an Algonquin roundtable. Absolutely. And not just about WKRP. No, no. It's uh, been great getting your perspective on. I, I love the Canadian perspective on America a lot of times that you've <laughs> provided. Uh, and also, anytime we touch on anything Canadian, uh, I mean, Roy sent a rutabaga recipe after we did the show talking about rutabagas and discovered that rutabagas were such a big deal in Canada. Uh, it, I, I got an email. I got an email from Roy going, hey, yeah, we, we do this every year. Um, it's something that you would have on Thanksgiving, which of course is in October and, uh, at Christmas time and things like that, rutabaga and apple, um, casserole. So I, I guess I've got some questions, some, some getting into the universe kind of questions, getting into WKRP. You've developed certain theories about certain characters throughout your, your writing and things that. I, I notice you'll come up with a theory and then you start to find things to support that theory. And one of yours that I just love is your idea that Andy Travis is a lousy program director. Nobody would program a radio station this way. Nobody Alan, would not. Radio, would anyone <laughs> program 50s, 60s rock in your drive time on a top 40 station and then uh, quiet storm soul in the evening again on a top 40 station he'll say to johnny please play one donna summer song and it's like have you listened to johnny's show it's not gonna work single donna summer song it would crash and burn and you couldn't you wouldn't be able to play eagles on any of venus's shows but what he is is a con artist you really see that in the 
foresees it. His ability is to talk people into doing stuff. His ability is not to program a radio station. And I also kind of think, you know, the idea of DJs programming their own shows, that goes back to Alan Freed and the birth of rock and roll as a format. Freed was formatting his own show. His show was entirely different than anything else that was going on on the radio station where he was. And he was known as the rock and roll DJ. And he was gathering up, you know, records from all over the country. And that was really kind of that first instance. But that's going back into the 50s of, you know, DJs programming their own show. And certain DJs started to get known. They would be aligned with certain bands uh, you know, there were certain guys, cousin Brucey Morrow in New York called himself the fifth Beatle and anything new from the Beatles that would come out, he would always play good count on cousin Brucey to be promoting the Beatles. So these guys had some latitude back then and the program director would let the DJs program their own shows. But by the time we get to 1978 and WKRP, that idea was long gone. It had faded in the late sixties, but I think that's the influence Hugh Wilson had had. That's what he knew about radio. So that's why it kind of becomes Andy's thing. It's not that, you know, Hugh didn't necessarily know the ins and outs, and there is no program director that he knew personally that he could point to and say, this is the inspiration for this character, where, you know, he had he had other guys at Quixie that he could look at, and it was a very personally an individual that he was basing the character on where Andy was more of a, a composite of kind of these names he knew, but nobody that he knew personally, which I think is why we have a better look at Herb and we have a better look at the big guy and better, you know, they're, they're more consistent internally than Andy. Certainly at the beginning, but he's also writing characters for a TV show. And if you have two or three DJs who are just playing top 40 hits of the late 70s, early 80s, and they're all playing the same thing, that's not very interesting television. To have, hey, here's this 60s burnout, and look, he's playing the music that he loved when he was a teenager, when he gets the chance to play the music he can as a teenager. You have a black character in not-that-black Cincinnati, Ohio, playing very urban music, because you need that show to play to you know, black audiences in Los Angeles, New York, Atlanta, Chicago, and to see a black DJ play the music that they would be listening to. To see a mid-40s white guy playing the music that a mid-40s white guy would want to play. What he considers to be cool. Both DJs are playing the music they consider to be cool. And I love the quote in The Consultant where the consultant asked Andy, goes, what is he, Ray Charles' uncle? <laughs> exactly. Who's going to teach the children about uh, Bo Diddley? <laughs> That's true. That is it. <laughs> how, how does now, since the blog, which is seven years, and you finished it really last year, right? You or, um, or Yeah, a little more than, than a year ago, yeah. A little more than a year ago was the last, the final entry. And then you also did a special on Howard Hessman. So yeah. you, you kind of keep a, a, a little bit of life there on, on the blog post site. But so since you've finished it and you've gone through, you've watched every episode. Oh, and I was curious, as you were going through, did you run into episodes you had no memory of? No. 
I'd seen everyone. I'd seen everyone probably a dozen times and like legitimately a dozen times. Like I say, that station, if you are watching five episodes a week and it's only 80 episodes, you're going to repeat WKRP every every four months you're every four months and yeah. if it played for four years but i would safely say i had seen every episode i remember having a vhs deck set up and it would run every day i think four to five or three thirty to four thirty something like that on one of the one of the stations in syndication and i would catch an hour of it on vhs and then watch it at night and uh you know i know those were hacked hacked to bits and none of the original music, but that's a lot of what I used to, what I remember watching in the nineties was that kind of thing. But I, I ran into, you know, now that we're down to, we've watched the final episode and we're, we're finishing everything off. I know I've run into at least two and I can't think of them off the top of my head, but there were two of them where I really don't think I had ever seen the episode before. It was something entirely new to me. Were they the Christmas episodes by any chance? No, no, I knew the Christmas episodes, and and Those I can't. The ones that I found got played the least, especially um, uh, Jennifer's Christmas. Oh yeah, Jennifer's Home for Christmas. Yeah, Jennifer's Home for Christmas. Those probably got played the least. Sometimes a smart TV programmer would pull those episodes out and run them during the week of Christmas. Yeah. So you'd be, you know, in the middle of season four, or middle of season one and all of a sudden here's the, all the Christmas episodes crammed in and then they go right back to where they were. Okay. I, I know you've done some lists. Do you have just a favorite all time episode? Can you pick one out? So on the blog, I have um, two lists, one that I call the most important episodes. So these are the ones, if you want to follow the, the story, the history of it, these are the ones you got to watch like the pilot and the finale. Uh, and I also have the funniest episodes. So these are ex- especially funny. On both of those lists for me is one called Hotel Ocean View. Politically, it doesn't hold up as well as some of the others, but it is like a French bedroom farce of slamming doors and in and out. This is Mickey the bartender and uh, Nick Nikki- Sinclair. Yeah, Nick Nikki St. Clair. You remember me? Nick Sinclair, class of 64. <laughs> the, and Herb in the fetal position. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can never listen to Herb Albert's Arise in the same way. <laughs> Anytime it comes on the radio, like in a, a grocery store or something, I'm always like, this is the WKRP song. And my wife will be, shut up and just buy the <laughs> The writing is so crisp. The acting is so fast. Um Frank Bonner has probably never been better. It's a great, funny, wacky, crazy episode. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't have much of the rest of the cast. So I love that one because of the writing and how sharp the writing is. Some of my other favorites uh, are Venus and the Man. And I have thought that that's the one to show somebody if you're trying to convince them that this is a good show to watch. And that's Um, Venus explains the atom. Exactly. Again, really sharp writing. Um, You get the whole cast kind of reacting to this little boy named Arnold. There's physical comedy. There's a lot of wordplay. There's some deep emotion in it. It's really where they turn Gordon Sims away from being a Vietnam vet and into a teacher. That's really where the teacher starts playing through on that. 
Turkey's Away is the one everyone calls out. And I have a love-hate relationship with Turkey's Away. It's sort of like if you have a favorite band, but they have one song that's so enormous, and everyone always talks about how fantastic that one song is, and you want to tell people, but look, they have albums and albums of wonderful (laughs) music. And everybody wants to talk about that one song. That's what Turkey's Away is like. Very funny. Um, It is complete theater of the mind. I mean, it could be broadcast on the radio. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You could play Turkey's Away without video. And it's almost just as You get it. You get it. Yeah. Yeah. You you, you definitely get it. Uh, And for me, Turkey's Away is... One it and, and and like you say, you know, the band that has that one song that everybody knows. It's kind of like Kiss and Beth. The what everybody knows Beth by Kiss. This you know this ballad that they did, which is not by any means representative of Kiss, but it was one of their biggest number ones, and a lot of people associate that song with Kiss, and it's not really representative of the band. And I think Turkey's Away is kind of that same thing when it comes to WKRP. It's it's telling one joke over the entire 25 minutes, and it's building to that one punchline of turkeys can't fly. Whereas so many other episodes, we get really rich B stories, and we get a lot of other things going on, and, and multiple characters being involved in different stories, different aspects of things that are happening, where you don't get that in Turkey's Away. But I think the reason so many people glom onto it and remember it is because it's like you will tell the joke you remember, not the best joke you know. Because maybe the best joke you know is a little too complicated or a little too hard to tell. But if there's a really simple joke with a great punchline, you remember that one. And I think Turkey's Away is that simple joke with the great punchline that everybody can remember. It's the band with the song with the one great riff in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So one that has the, the whole crew working together is Frog Story. And this is a theme that I talk about in the blog that happens all the time, which is some element is introduced to the group and it is passed from person to person to person to person to see how they react to it. Um, Jennifer's boyfriend, who's elderly and rich, dies. How does each person react to Jennifer when they know she's grieving? Um, and you know, with uh, Venus and the man. So this gang member comes into the radio station. How does each person react? Some are scared. Some don't care. Uh, some are less. Yep. <laughs> less, less is his own, uh, his own situation. But each character is reacting the way we think that character will react. And yeah, and that's kind of going back to what you were saying about, you know, these characters are so vividly drawn and so the traits are so perfectly uh, arranged and set up that we know, we know exactly how they're going to react in each situation and, and we're expecting it. And then when they do it, it's just so fulfilling and funny. Exactly. It's, it's delightful to see them that we know them so well that they react the way we think they will, but because the writing is so good, they say it, in a better way than we would have come up with. Okay. Now other end of the spectrum, where did they just 
blow it. Oh my goodness, what were they thinking? Why did they make this episode? What are, what are the bad ones? The one I really don't like is called The Painting. Early on when we talked, and I probably in our first or second conversation, you used The Painting as an example. You said you are going to run into some episodes like The Painting where you aren't going to have anything to say. <laughs> You're going to hate the episode. So why does the painting not work for you? What don't you like about that? The plot of that episode is that they have purchased a painting to impress Mr. Carlson. Uh, Herb has purchased it. Les was supposed to help him. Bailey actually loves the painting and wants it, but Herb is trying to make deals and going back and forth. It's really confusing. And when you finally see the painting... It looks like something they probably pulled off of a hotel wall. I have no reason. <laughs> there's no reason why why Bailey should like this painting. Why there would be all this concern? Oh, and by the way, aren't they supposed to be working? It's not particularly funny. Herb's just spending all his time babbling back and forth on the painting. The truest line in that episode is Andy looks at the painting and says, "I honestly like the frame." Yeah, it makes no sense. My favorite part of that, and there are certain, for some even bad episodes, there are lines that stand out and things that stand out that I get a laugh out of. And, and you know, we started the line of the episode because that it, it just always seemed like there's always a line in there. Even if it's a bad episode, there's always something in there that's funny. I love it when Herb calls the old lady and wants the history of the painting. And he finds out that her son, who's in prison on Quaaludes, paints one a day. So two things. I love when you guys picked up on a line of the episode. That that was a great thing. And when you started it, I was like, I so should have done that in the blog. I should have <laughs> a quote of the episode at the end of each blog would have been perfect. But my favorite line in that particular episode is Herb's going to steal the painting back. It's It's in Andy's office. And even though Johnny, Andy, and Venus don't like the painting they're all defending bailey and vena says well what if the four of us beat you into dust i like that line that shows some real camaraderie <laughs> and i have used that line in in conversation not conversation but in situations where i've been like what if the group of us beat you into dust it it it's worked throughout my life quoting wkrp here enough that no one knows where i'm coming up with these lines so they think i'm very bright so, so what's another really, wow, I wish they hadn't done that episode. I'm not a fan of Less on the Ledge. Really? Yeah. It's, it's one that does not age well at all. Oh, because you mean the homophobia? I, yeah, the homophobia doesn't age well. Um, we don't know these characters, and all of a sudden, in the third episode, I think the thing that drives me crazy with that is, okay, we've established this show. What are we going to do with it? What if we throw the newsman out on a ledge as if he's suicidal? That's the direction you want to take this show? I'll give you a better one that I don't like. And that's Sparky, uh, where Sparky Anderson comes in. Even the most basic radio station, which WKRP definitely is, would have had questions for Sparky to ask, would have had a producer who is screening the calls and feeding calls into Sparky rather than just letting Sparky run the board. People don't act the way they should. Like we have this idea that now Jennifer 
has seasons tickets to Cincinnati Reds games and has been to every Reds game. We've seen other things where she doesn't seem to know anything about baseball. Uh, this is the episode where Venus says that he played AAA ball in Texas for a while. I was like, when did that ever happen? <laughs> it had to have only been for one season or two. Yeah. So it, it, it that's an episode where the rest of the cast doesn't act the way they normally would. They don't react the way we have come to know them. And do you know do you know how that episode was written? Do, did you see that story? Well, you know where I learned about that story? I listened to a podcast called WKRP Cast. I was going to say, there's this, there's this podcast out there that you ought to check these guys out. They know some of that stuff. But no, the, uh, Campman and uh, Tarakvi wrote that as a spec mm-hmm. and decided that they just, what could we do you know, to make our dreams come true if we got anything that we wanted? Uh, we'd love to meet Sparky Anderson. So they really kind of just made it all up just to get a chance to meet Sparky Anderson. And it really didn't have any ties. And I think that's why it feels so untethered. It feels weirdly, they shouldn't have taken on this project in the first place. Nobody has a vision for what it is, and they're really not doing a very good job of it. But it's, I, I think that's because of the motivation of the writers, of the, the reason that the, you know, the writers came up with it. It wasn't tied to anything. I think one of the reasons I liked and remember WKRP as much as I do is it was one of the very first sitcoms that really cared about its continuity. Things that happen early in a season will reverberate later in a season. Things that a character mentions in one episode will remain true in later episodes. If you think of something like Gilligan's Island or, or the Brady Bunch or something, it's a completely new world and new slate every single episode. Nothing's the same. And really, WKRP was right on the cusp of that changing. The idea of characters having multiple episode story arcs that we check back in on. Uh, You know, and and a lot of it kind of started with babies. Having a character pregnant meant you then had to consistently have that character pregnant through multiple episodes. And then eventually at some point that character is going to deliver a baby. And that's where writers started to become aware of it. And WKRP was right about that time where you started to see some of those ongoing arcs carrying through in sitcoms, but they'd really never done that before going, you know, the fifties and sixties, like you say, everyone, it was its own world regenerated every time with no reference to what's come before and nobody will ever reference what, what has just happened. And KRP was kind of in that point where they were starting to get that. But I've always had the sense season one is somewhat isolated from the other three seasons when it comes to any kind of continuity. There are things that they brought up in season one that are never referenced again, whereas things, things that they established in season two will carry through to season four. That podcast that I was telling you about does a really good job of explaining how there was a change in the hierarchy. Yeah. WKRP in Cincinnati. (laughs) Wilson was still there, but a lot of the producers, a lot of the writers were changed out, swapped out, and there were um, political and business reasons and things like that for it. It didn't completely shift the show, but there was enough change that it is noticeable and one of the things that changed is that consistency and that care of continuity i mean just as a small example andy mentions let's redo the lobby 
So we saw one episode where he got the money because he kept the union out. Then he mentions to Jennifer, let's redo the lobby. Then you see about two episodes of her working on the lobby or having the lobby worked on. And then you come back to another episode and the lobby is all finished and complete. It has nothing to really do with running a radio station. It has nothing to do with the comedy involved. They're literally showing that this station has gotten an influx of money, is doing a little bit better in the world. They want to make that appearance like a real radio station would. No other show is doing that. Nobody else cared what the lobby looked like in any of these workplace sitcoms of the 70s and 80s. You know, even in, you know, Growing Pains that a lot of the writers went off to or uh, Who's the Boss that a lot of the writers and producers went off to afterwards, those living rooms never changed. No, same same situation every time, yeah. Yeah. KRP cared about that sort of stuff, especially, as you say, later on in the episodes. Somewhere in the, the third and fourth season where... We had the union, and that really started the idea of Andy controlling the purse strings a little bit more, getting more money and more investment um, from Mama Carlson into the show, right up to the legitimate last episode, which is up and down the dial. And I don't right. care what, what they all aired in. That was the syndication. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was the last episode. Yeah, that was supposed to be the season capper. Only crazy people would run it, in, you know, in a different airing just because of the air dates. That's ridiculous. <laughs> At some point, they decided, why would any rich woman want to run this radio station this way? She knows what's going on. She knows Herb is incompetent. She knows Les is weird. She knows um, Johnny is a burnout. Why would she ever want to run the show this way? Well, she why knows her own son is incompetent. She has said earlier on, I trust no one except my own son, and I trust him to always do the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah. That's how she used her adult son, father of her grandchildren. <laughs> and these are the people who she has put together. Why would somebody do this? And WKRP finishes by answering that question. I've got a, I've got a preview for you. We're going to... We're going to run the bunny interview in front of Frog Story for oh. next for next week. I've really liked how you have uh, made the effort to reach out to some of these people. Um, and one, it's been delightful to see that they all seem to have a positive memories of their time at WKRP with Hugh Wilson, with the crew, with the cast. And I think for most of the people who you've talked to, people don't ask them about WKRP. And so they're thrilled to, oh, yeah, there was this one thing I did, uh, like your interview with the, the fellow who played Gonzer. You know, he gets asked about Spaceballs all the time. Yeah. Nobody and, well, and, and, and Hill Street Blues. And Hill Street Blues, of course. Nobody asks him about this one character, but it's fun to go back and just kind of remember that one little thing you did. Well, we just had so much fun talking to Olivia Janice about her turn as the hooker on I'll Take Romance. And it was the same kind of situation. She just had a blast and so much fun and, and really had never talked about it. You do a good job. And I think what a lot of these people are afraid of is that you're going to ask questions like that old Saturday Night Live sketch with um, 
Shatner. Shatner, where it's like, uh, what was the combination on the safe that you were using in episode, <laughs> you know, season two, episode 14? Yeah, initially, when you entered it, it was nine, nine digits, but then later you entered 10 digits. Can you explain the differentiation here? Yes. Exactly. And I think at first people are concerned you're going to ask something like that. Um, but that's not what you and Donna have worried about. And that's what not that's not what I, as a fan listening to your podcast, care about either. You know, I don't care which fishing rod Arthur Carlson was using or what the <laughs> mic you might care about what the mics were. I don't care about the mics, but I do want to hear, hey, what was it like working with so and so? How was it on the set? What do you remember they told you about your character? That's all very interesting. And you guys have done a great job of reaching out to those people to get those stories because no one's ever going to do it again. So the guy, the guy who played Steel, and I can't come up with his name off the top of my head right now. We initially, I called and left a voicemail. He has a number at his design studio, and I did not hear anything back from him. It was a couple of weeks. I hadn't heard anything. And I sent an email and there was an email address that said it went to him. And I sent the email. I said, hey, I left this message. I want to talk to you about WKRP. And I put my phone number in that email and had a call within about 10 minutes. And he said, I'd love to talk about WKRP. I had no idea you guys had written the email. He hadn't seen it. So it wasn't like he was blowing us off. And he was one where he was just so excited about getting a chance to talk about that part because he said nobody's ever asked me about that one and and he never never talked about it before so yeah he was just really excited to to hook up with us to talk about that and it's lovely to see because these are character actors who came to hollywood they worked for a few years they didn't get the break they were thinking of and have gone to do something else in our worlds we tend to go oh that person failed as an actor but you know it's nice to see, well, maybe he didn't become an actor, but he used some of those connections to become a successful designer. Or the actress you were just talking about went on to have a whole theater career in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's or, just having a great time. You know, Or they became voice actors. Or they just went on and just did something else and had very fulfilling, successful lives. And it just wasn't in front of the camera. They didn't turn into Lonnie Anderson. And that's fine. And it's kind of nice, especially given 40 years of, of distance from it, to be able to look back and see, oh, look what they made of their lives after you know they tried this one thing and they pivoted and they did something. They made some other choices in their life. Uh, even Frank Bonner himself, who I think is the star of the show. To me, Frank Bonner uh, doesn't get the credit for being just so hysterical as he was on that show. But you don't really see him in very much else afterwards because he became a successful television director. Well, RP, I've, I've uh, dominated your evening for an hour now, and I thank you so much for talking to me. Um, I can't imagine this is all going to be one podcast. You're, you're going to cut this down to a good solid seven minutes. And I hope I sound reasonably intelligent. Uh, we'll get, we'll get seven to 10 minutes out of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're, we're also talking to the accountant to rock. We're going to talk to Hernandez. I, uh, I would hope so. He gets name checked every episode and um, the work he has done on uh, 
compiling the original list of songs. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, and also his uh, TV listings of everything that went on, you know, around the nights that the original episodes aired. Those are fantastic. Uh, Yeah, he's he's one that between you and and Hernandez and finding you guys that summer before we started the podcast, you guys made it, it made it much easier to do what we've done because a lot of that work had already been done when it came to research and finding all this stuff. You guys were very valuable uh, and kind of paved the way for what we did. Yeah. The, the one that really kind of get, got me out there was the, um, the contest nobody could win. I think that's the first one where we really mentioned you on the show. That's, that was your big, yeah, that's your, you, you told us that was your most popular podcast or your most popular blog entry. If you type the contest, nobody can win WKRP. I'm like the second or third thing that comes up on Google because, and that's strange enough, but that became the one um, where people found the blog because I had an idea of why, um, the two endings character because that that was something that you asked me earlier what changed what uh did i not recognize and it was oh there's a brand new bad guy <laughs> that like where did that come from i thought i'm i was smelling burnt toast i was what is happening there and because the box set had come out a lot of people were having the exact same question what what happened that doesn't look like I remember the the ghost on the subway from the movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze being the the character there, not this little guy. Um, I remember Johnny getting the money back. What's all happening here? And I speculated as to why they would have changed it. Uh, and then you actually did some work, especially when you uh, talked with Max and that, that kind of confirmed, again, just my speculation. This well, in Casey, to work. This is how uh, writers would work. This is what I know about how TV executives would think, and why they would say this is not a great ending for a comedy. And uh, that brought a lot of people into me. Well, and it was it was your speculation, and then when we found Casey, who had written the episode, and we you know talked to him. Uh, where, you know, he didn't exactly have the answer, but he kind of did. And between the two of you, you guys answered the question, why are there the two endings and what happened here? Um, so, so yeah, that one, that one was fun. And we kind of felt like when you come up on a, on a car accident that happened, you know, a few minutes ago and you see everything and you're trying to put it all together, what happened here? Well, that's kind of how we were. We came on the situation after, you know, Casey'd written it, they'd shot it, you'd reviewed it, and everybody's going, whoa, what happened? And we're kind of looking at it from this perspective of we're the looky loos going by on the highway going, oh, hey, hold on a minute. What if this and this? And, oh, let's talk to that guy. So, yeah, you were you were kind of the jumping off point there, and you really gave us the blueprint to to go look for these other answers and, and to kind of find Casey. And, yeah, that, that one was – that was fun – for a lot of reasons, I really feel like, I mean, we talked to Michael DeBar for less on a ledge and that was an interview, but it was not, a, it was not a very involved interview, but with Casey, we really talked to Casey for a long time and I consider him kind of our first interview. And it was because of that 
push that you'd given, you know, why are there these two endings? And like you were saying earlier, he wanted to talk about this. Nobody had been asking about this. Nobody had asked him or wanted to interview him about this for 30, 40 years. And now all of a sudden you want to ask questions about it. And so they're happy to answer your questions and go back down that memory lane. Yeah, it makes it, it it makes for a lot of fun. It's it's been a good time. So, well, thank you, thank you much, sir. It's been uh, a pleasure listening to you and Donna for the last couple of years. <laughs> uh, it's been it's been fun making them. I'm going to miss making them. All righty, we'll stay in touch, sir. Uh, care. We, Enjoy we these last couple of episodes. We won't be we won't be in your in your podcast feed every Tuesday morning after about the end of September. But uh, stay in touch. I hope to. Thanks again to Roy for talking to us and for all of his support over the past couple of years. He's been a great resource. Now let's check in with the guy we started calling the Accountant of Rock way back in the fall of 2020. Although this is the first time we've actually talked to Michael Hernandez, his research has been a part of the podcast each week. And here's an Easter egg. Be listening during the interview for me to refer to Roy Penny as Roy Hernandez. Okay, here's Mike. <laughs> okay, I'm coming through okay? Yeah, no, you sounded great. All right, good, good. Michael Hernandez, the accountant of rock. Welcome to the WKRP cast. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. It's uh, glad to uh, get a chance to talk to you. I told Donna, I, I said, well, I'm I, going back to talk to Mike and this will actually be the first time we've ever spoken, although it seems like for two years now we've been in almost weekly contact about the show and about posters and about all kinds of things. And it's kind of weird now to talk to you for the first time. <laughs> yeah, it's a little more immediate, isn't it? It's not uh, sending off an email and waiting an hour or two or whatever. And I don't know why we never got to where, you know, I would call you up or, you know, we'd exchange phone numbers or something like that. It just always kind of worked out to contact via email. And a lot of times we were sending over pictures, like clips mm-hmm. of, I'd do a screenshot and say, hey, this poster, I can't find it. Help me out. <laughs> and somehow you yeah. have this, we're going to talk about this, this incredible ability of yours to find that stuff. That I'm still in awe of that. But uh, I, I want to step back. Let's 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 go back into the 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 depths. I'm not going to ask you how old you are, but I will ask you what year did you graduate high school? Eighty six. Eighty six. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that kind of kind of gives me a dial in. I, I graduated eighty three. So you're just you're just three three four years younger than I am. Yeah. So when did you discover WKRP? When did you become a KRP fan? Well, let's see. Okay. I was actually living in central Ohio just on this when the show premiered. And I knew I was aware of it then. I knew what it was. I knew what the kind of a show was. And I can, I have this strange, vivid memory of seeing like a, a WKRP promo on TV of Richard Sanders standing on the side of the highway doing a, a, a promo for the show as less. But I don't, when I was scheduled, a year and a half or two back, I can remember looking at that, that thinking, okay, I wasn't watching KRP. I was watching this other thing. And, you know, the next day I was watching. So I don't think I was actually regularly when it was on, like most everybody else, I caught up with it on um, in syndication. 
in, almost immediately after it went off. So right around like 83 or so when it was on like what TBS, WTBS had it on pretty much every every night for several years. That's probably when I became, you know, the big fan. But I knew the show and uh, I had watched it semi-regularly uh, while it was on. But you then really found it uh, in high school then? Yes, definitely in high school. So you're watching it then through through high school, then after that, continue into college as an adult. Did it eventually fade away? Was there a point where you kind of lost touch with the show? Or have you always always kind of had it there in your life? I've always, well, I've always been a fan. Even when I was watching it off and on, I thought it was a really great show. When I was catching up with it in syndication, the episodes, probably when it became my favorite show, been that way ever since. When it went off the when it went off TBS or when it went off syndication, I lost show, but I still remember. I could still recall, you know, pretty much everything. So, did you pick up a copy of the two thousand seven season one Fox disc? Yes, a copy of that. And what was your reaction to that when you got that home and popped it into the DVD <laughs> player? Um, it's kind of bittersweet. It was because. Uh, the, show, the, the jokes were still funny, yet um, I don't know how everybody else approached the show, but for me, it was always the show that, A, was funny, but also it was the music that uh, it featured the music that you never saw on any other show. There was no show in primetime TV, probably, that could casually drop in like uh, The Grateful Dead or, you know, mention, you know, throw out a Captain Beefheart song or you know, something like that, just really, (laughs) it just, it was just, it just made it a natural part of the dialogue. No show could do that. Whereas my friends and I would do, we would just talk about all this music that we love and we would speak, you know, the same way that, that the, the show spoke about them. It was just a part. So that's kind of what really both the comedy and the play, the music. Now, what you'd have watched in the after it went off the air would have been the syndication without the music. So you kind of have memories of it from first run and hearing the original songs. Right. When it was first on syndication, I, I'm pretty sure that all the music was intact. There was a point there oh, where, okay. where they started having to, uh, well, I guess there was certain legal rights that would expire. So gradually they would start, uh, pulled some of the original music off and putting in replacements. But at, right when it was hit on syndication, I, I'm pretty sure it stuck with the original songs. And now it would cut out, you know, a few seconds of a scene just to, you know, squeeze uh, squeeze some commercials in there. Yeah, and it but otherwise, the music was there. Yeah. yeah it'd, it'd fade in late to go past a song. They'd skip over a song that way to, right. to get around it. Right. So... Okay, so then in 2015, Shout Factory comes out with the box set, and now they've gone to all this work to restore the rights, and the songs are back. And then you embark on this amazing project. Can you explain what you did there for folks that, I I mean, I've talked about it a lot, but for folks that maybe aren't sure, can you tell us what you did when you got a hold of this box set? Well, by the time the box set, had come out i'd actually been working on it for a couple of years and i had kind of finished like a, a first draft of it but i guess what happened was around uh, 12 i kind of decided well 
there was no chance it was going to get released. So I was going to go out there and try to, you know, whatever I could find of the show. A lot of the music still in the deck. So I did buy a burned DVD set of the complete series. All the music still intact, but it was kind of cut for syndication. There were scenes that were cut short. And so I, my original list was kind of based on, plus uh, the, um, what's it, uh, the Jamie Wyman had posted on his old WKRP blog. He had these episodes okay. up below, uh, not YouTube, not this uh, like Russian uh, video sharing. Apparently it doesn't work anymore, <laughs> but that's where I got my start, you know, doing, doing the music list. So then by the time the Shout Factory disc came out, I could go back and fix a lot of things that I know I, I had gotten wrong and, you know, fill in a lot of the music that, that had been cut out. When you first laid out the initial spreadsheet, mm-hmm. you were working from Jamie Weinman's list of songs? Not uh, so much his list of songs, but the actual video listed, because those were almost, maybe almost complete. So he had gotten a hold of, uh, like, not maybe not the original broadcast, but things that came out uh, in syndication right when it hit. So there may be some scenes cut out, but a lot of the music was still there in those episodes. And um, in his blogs, he had identified a few songs, which helped a lot. But then there were several that that uh, I found that, that weren't in, uh, listed there. Now, how do you do your identification? Were you just recognizing these songs or are, are you Shazamming them or how are you doing that? <laughs> Not to blow my own horn, but I did recognize. I just knew it because been you know, like a radio listener for for years, a uh, music junkie for years. So I recognized several things. Others I don't mind saying. I had to, you know, open up Shazam and stick it right up next to the to a speaker to to catch it. Because there were a couple of them that I. I have no idea how you were able to identify. There are just a few seconds. It's just instrumental. It just amazed me, you know, that there was enough information there for you to figure it out. Uh, and I'm since we've been working, and and really, this is the reason you got the moniker, the accountant of rock, because <laughs> the summer before, in in the summer of 2020, uh-huh. we were getting ready to do this podcast and we were assembling all of these different resources for research and trying to get together just whatever we could find. And we found Jamie's blog and we found uh, Roy Penny's blog. And then I came across your spreadsheet. And when I found that spreadsheet, I was running through the house. I'm like, you've got to see this thing. I was telling Donna, this is amazing. And it became one of these very valuable things for us each week that we're working on the show to go reference your spreadsheet. And you found us or you made a comment. It was like the fourth or fifth podcast. I think it was around holdup. And you just made some comment about the show. And I recognized your name because I'd been opening this and I had your name on the file on my computer with, with the spreadsheet on there. And, and I remember asking, I was like, are you the guy that did that spreadsheet? <laughs> and you oh, came yeah. Back, you're like, yeah, yeah, that was me. That was me. <laughs> yeah. So, so because you're working in Excel doing a spreadsheet, which is the domain of accountants, that's where the whole accountant of rock thing came from. But uh, so, so then we discovered your other 
project around WKRP, which are you in, in real life? Are you, are you a data, uh, do, do you data, do data analysis? Is this something that's just a hobby or is this a profession? Uh, just a, just a hobby, but I am, I am an IT guy, so I'm pretty familiar with, you know, working around it. It's not my, you know, it's not the thing I do the most. It's just for fun, huh? Just to go out and yeah, this part is just data for fun. Together. Yeah. So the the yeah. uh, t- the TV guide grid, um, which we have used huh? and has really become kind of a big deal here in the last six months because of changing this order of episodes thing. How did how did that project come to mind, and what what kind of inspired that? I think um, at some point I started wondering, well, what was TV around the time nights when KRP was on? What was surrounding it? And I just kind of wondered this, just while. And then when the, the lockdown happened, I figured, here's time. Might as well start uh, trying to figure that. And somehow I'd gotten the, uh, the newspapers.com archive, started subscribing there. And then I remembered, hey, newspapers, you saw the TV listings in the newspapers day in. And so I just kind of landed on those. I could I would compare like you know a bunch of newspapers a bunch of listings for newspapers to try to figure out what was the episode that was on that night what else was on what were those episodes about those other two? so I got to figuring that out and and I just kind of figured well this is what uh, what was surrounding KRP then on on each of those nights and that was so thank you so much for sending that stuff over because it really gave us kind of reference point when we were talking about change in uh, a, a night or change in a uh, time period for WKRP, the work you have done really found the actual information from the day, uh, which I think is a lot of the reason for some of the misinformation that's out there, especially on IMDb, yeah. is it's stuff that, you know, it was planned that way. But then somebody panicked programming-wise and decided that they needed to change things up. And what you were finding were those changes, those things that were happening in reality from week to week. So it was it was just amazing the the level of work that you had done and to give us then the ability to kind of look at the whole universe around KRP. And we're really to a point now, I mean, we're of an age that we remember – appointment television. And we remember if your favorite show was on Wednesday night at 8.30, you had to be in front of the TV Wednesday night at 8.30, or you were not going to see that show. And and right. a lot of people that are younger now don't have that concept that, you know, that there could be the chance of missing an episode or the chance of, you know, having to decide, what am I going to watch? Actually, Roy, <laughs> I just talked to Roy Hernandez the other night and talked to him kind of a similar uh, to what we're doing here. And he said that in his household, dad loved real people. And he said, we didn't get to watch WKRP because dad ran the TV. Huh. So, you know, yeah. a lot of people now don't don't remember or just did not live through it. And, you know, being able to kind of give the, you know, grounded in that grid and look at the other things that were going on around it and look at what was happening ratings wise and just all that you've, you've really loaded it up with a ton of fantastic information. Now, how long did that take you? Is that like every evening for two months or, or how do you do that kind of thing? Let's see the TV listings. Um, I've done it for a few months 
And I kind of took a break and then I went back to it and finished it out. So I would say like uh, maybe the fall of 2020 is when I started by this following spring, it was pretty much done. Yeah, because I think it was that summer, last summer is when you sent it over to us and said, you oh, okay, take a look at this. I've been, I've been working on this. I think that's when you first sent that over. Okay. Um, the, the link to it. Fighting the ratings was, uh, was like a God's one of the, I'd been looking for early on how it was doing in the ratings, because, you know, we heard all these things we've read, uh, you know, about how it was ratings, if it was doing good, how you know bad it was doing. So I was glad to find them. I lost you a lot there, Mike. Oh, no, I was just saying that the, the fighting the ratings, listing for the ratings was, was that's what we're wondering about that. We know that trouble in the ratings, there's times when it was doing great. So being able to see that is great. So have you ever done this kind of thing for any other show or this is just WKRP is your, is your passion? Uh, no, this is, I've ne- never really done this for anything else uh, TV wise. I guess, uh, the KRP thing, which the first time I've done something like this. Okay, now we got to talk about how do you find those posters? <laughs> I figured out, when when I first started sending you stuff, I realized you were using Google Images. You use Google Images for some of your searching? Some of it, yeah. There are, oh, here, okay, I'll, I'll give you one of my secrets. You can do like a reverse image search in in Google and in a couple where you, you upload an image and it'll look for anything close to it or similar. So that's kind of how I did some of it. Yeah. Cause I started using that and was finding something. So I wasn't bothering you as often. I was able to find a few things that way, uh-huh. but you were, you were able to pull up some things that I couldn't get anything out of. And I'd send it over to you and you'd come back in 20 minutes going, Oh yeah, this is <laughs> such and such. And so, and so I need on there, I was I was thoroughly impressed by that. So was a lot of that though just your you recognized it because you're a, you're into music. Yeah, I, I guess uh, probably about half of the time uh, you were, you saw that poster and you were wondering about it, and I said, oh yeah, that's uh, the Vapors. That's the first Vapors album because I'm I was with that record at the time, and that, they were the guys that did Turning Japanese back in 1980, something something like that. Yeah. I, I totally re- I instantly recognized that. Others I had to just kind of study, look at them a little bit, and think, you know, that I you know seen once before, or even you know looking through like music mags, like in Rolling Stones, and seeing you know print ads. The po- they would be like the posters of of that ad on the on the show. But it's it's being able to recall it is the thing. I mean, I know I was flipping through Rolling Stone and Billboard about the same time, and not writing all that stuff into my memory banks. You, you had it all in there. It, I don't know. It just, it just kind of uh, stuck, in, stuck in my brain somehow. All right. Let's talk WKRP. I'm curious, Mike Hernandez, who knows everything about the music of WKRP, what do you consider a favorite episode or episodes? And also, what are the ones that even though you're a huge fan, it's like, boy, that one's tough to watch. I think my favorite part are an explosive affair. I just think that's absolutely terrific from top to bottom, front to back, you know, incredibly funny all the way through. And I, I, now that you mentioned that, I love that one too, but that's not one, you know, I've been talking to people since we're coming down to the end here. Yeah. I've uh, been talking to, to a lot of people about, you know, what are your favorites and what do you, and that's not one anybody's brought up, but yeah, that's a great, 
great two-parter. And one I just thought of just today that kind of bumped into my brain that I hadn't given a thought to uh, in some of these conversations I've been having is the Dr. Fever and Mr. Tide. Yeah, that's good. But I love that, which is another another two-parter. It seems like the two-parters are my favorites because I was also good at money starting off season two. That's just terrific. With Julie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, you go through so many emotions. You go through the highs and the lows with Bailey and uh, and (laughs) the whole roller coaster with uh, Johnny and Buffy and uh, Julie Payne or Buffy. Yeah, the the, the two-parters, they seem to have more room to kind of stretch out. Even yeah. I, I kind of think of it as a two-parter, straight from the heart, and who's on first. Really, kind of feels like this oh, yeah, ongoing. Yeah. You know that it, it it isn't really, but it kind of was. All right. So, what is an episode that uh, you just it's it's a tough when you skip it when you see it on the coming up on the DVD, or it's just one that you you don't have good memories of. What's the episode that everybody says is their favorite fish story? That's the one I I'm not that much into. Oh really? So yeah, that's like it's, your least. That's well. That's that's not maybe not least favorite, but that's that's not one I would say is a favorite. Uh, I guess I'm I'm not a big fan of when WKRB goes like madcap zany for no particular reason. So those those episodes, not not really, not really my thing. Talking about my least favorites, I don't like Airplane Show or Love Returns. Those are two. That just for me just have never hit right. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I don't dislike them. I I can watch them, but you know they don't. They're they're not great episodes, but I can I can I can watch them. Okay, and recognize that eh, they didn't quite hit the mark. Now I know you're a big fan of uh, ones that pay attention to the radio business. Uh, what's really going on radio wise? What episodes stand out to you from from that? aspect or that respect what what kind of uh radio heavy episodes do you like the uh the ones dealing with the ratings books were, were great i really like those um I, I can see that for you yeah i I'd... the one with venus getting uh getting the offer from rec radio not like that yeah that kind of the that kind of takes the veil off of things like the automation and that was what how that was coming up and yeah, they were dead on with that. The consultant, I like the consultant a lot. I love that one. Yeah. That is a favorite of mine, and I and I think it's really just because of that third act, just the the madcap. <laughs> and there again, though, it's, it's kind of WKRP going madcap. That works though. There's a good reason for that. So I really loved that. Though on that episode, I would always wondered. Okay, there was like you know one. There was a day in between scenes, so the day. The guy comes in the last time we see him. So there's that day in the middle staff meeting. So how does like and tell these guys, okay, yeah, Herb, can you like dress normal? You be busy. And and it seemed like you know he couldn't fix it in a day, but he could make it all reverse in a day. Lonnie Anderson's voice in that one, I think, is is for me. That's the whole episode. That really, Mister Breezy. Yeah, that uh, that that was a good one. I I really enjoyed that. Anything that you know what that explains some. Something about how radio works, the business. I I always enjoyed that. And that one was almost really as predictive as the Venus Rising one when it came to the way radio went in the 80s. It really became that pre-formatted, you know, hundreds of radio stations are all programmed alike. 
that that one was really very spot on when you know when it came to talking about what really happened to radio. Well, Mike, I appreciate your time, and it was fun talking with you. Hey, hope, hope what, you got some what, good stuff. Uh, well, what what are your plans? Uh, we're wrapping up the podcast here in a couple of weeks. I'm not going to be bothering you anymore. What uh, what are your plans upcoming? Anything <laughs> on the horizon? Oh, I don't know. I don't know what to do now. Well, I I just hope Don and I have talked about we're maybe going to take on another series at some point here. It may, we may take some time off, but uh, I hope whatever else we get into, I can find somebody that is as knowledgeable as you have been and is helpful. Uh, and I've really, really appreciated it. It has been amazing. Well, I've really appreciated uh, uh, your appreciation. Uh, let's see, back about 2018, about March 2018, there's this, you know, the site boingboing.net? Yeah. Yeah, they somehow they found what I did and they started the uh, like a little article about it. So for a couple of weeks back then, back in March 2018, I became internet famous somehow for doing this. I think that's it was it was one of those articles about you. There's how I found the spreadsheet initially. Oh, okay. Uh, a radio station or somebody had interviewed you about it. <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, and and they had. Yeah. Yeah. They had the link to the spreadsheet. And that's when I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be very useful. <laughs> yeah. Like around the time oh, that happened, we I got a, uh, somebody, at, somebody at a radio station in Boston, and they had emailed me several questions and I just answered them. And that was basically what they published their interview from. Well, I thank you for talking to me. Oh, thanks for you, thanks for reaching out. It, it's been fun, and uh, in, you know, enjoy the last couple of episodes, and be listening for this. Uh, this is um, going to be part of the show on the thirteenth. All right, is when we're going to be putting the interviews with you, and I also talked to Roy Penny. Yeah, it'd be great to hear from everybody. And it has been great to hear from these WKRP cast contributors. Thanks again to Michael Hernandez and Roy Penny for taking the time to talk to us. Thanks also to everyone who sent us notes with corrections or additional information. We love that stuff. So if everybody's ready for the last time... What is our next episode, Donna? Next week on September 20th of 2022, we will be discussing The Impossible Dream, which originally aired on September 20th of 1982. Les's mother is visiting. She complains Les is in a dead-end job. Les decides he's going to follow his dream. He intends to apply for a job at CBS for a spot on the evening news. That's going to do it for this episode of the WKRP cast. If you'd like to watch along with us, make sure to check our show notes. You can find us on social media, follow our Facebook page at WKRP cast for more WKRP fun. You can become a patron, go to patreon.com slash WKRP cast for behind the scenes, fun, full interviews, and more. Got a question, comment, or correction? Let us know about it. Write us, WKRPcast at gmail.com. And remember to please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Bye now. May the good news be yours.
the WKRP cast is not endorsed by MTM Enterprises, Shout Factory, or CBS. This podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. WKRP in Cincinnati, the WKRP logo, and all names, pictures, and audio of WKRP in Cincinnati characters are registered trademarks of MTM, CBS, Shout Factory, or their respective copyright holders. Almost forgot, fellow babies. Booger! <laughs> <laughs>